everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of An American F1. And what the hell? I can't believe it. I can't believe it happened again. For the third time. The third time. While leading a race, Charles Leclerc has had some kind of error this time. On his own, of his own doing, while leading a race, crashes out and gets another DNF while in the lead. 76 points thrown away because of either Ferrari or Charles Leclerc mistakes. And, you know, it's just so frustrating. I'm still not over it. I'm recording this on Tuesday morning and I'm still not over it. All I wanted this year was a great championship battle, one that went down to the wire, and I'm not saying it's over, but with the consistency of Red Bull and Max Verstappen, it's basically over. There is like no chance. How? How? How could that even happen? How is Ferrari going to even prove themselves to be worthy of digging themselves back into this championship battle? When you have Red Bull, who, yes, they've had their reliability problems in the beginning of the year, but since then, Red Bull, Max Verstappen have been robotic-like with about, you know, a few little mistakes here and there, and some not even of their own doing. But, my God. You know, it, it's just so frustrating. I just, it, it finally looked like Ferrari was back in form. You know, they had that great performance in Austria. They looked like they nailed everything. You're going into the French Grand Prix weekend, all this hype. You know, it's kind of like a half of a home track for Charles Leclerc. And, you know, FP1, FP2, you're watching it. You're like, all right, this is looking more trending towards Red Bull, FP3, same thing. And then we get into qualifying. And, you know, Charles Leclerc manages to get himself on the pole yet again. Gets himself on the pole in Saturday qualifying. You know, Mr. Saturday, as they say. And he qualifies on the pole, and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what? Ferrari might not be the best car this weekend at this track, but maybe, just maybe, they can figure out a way to do either damage limitation or claw themselves back. And the beginning of the race, Charles Leclerc gets an amazing start, takes a decent command of the race, and just never had the chance to finish it. Such a shame. Such a shame. So much hype. You know, you know, you can talk a lot about leaders and championship battles and what it takes to win an F1 championship. And we've seen the greats over the years, right? We've seen the Lewis Hamiltons, the Michael Schumachers, the Fernando Alonzos, the Kimi Raikkonens. I guess I'll include Nico Rosberg in there. But, you know, we've seen these guys who have won in the past demonstrate to some degree a clutch gene, right? And so you're thinking back, let's let's even say last year, right? And it's not just, you know, Formula One is not just about the driver effort. It is about the team. The team plays an immense role in determining championship outcomes. And if we're thinking back, right? If we're thinking, let's just look at an example, right? Of a team that had everything together and arguably with, you know, of course, a mistake made by a certain race director who shall not be mentioned. That team demonstrated 
a clawbackness, a, a, a certain composure to potentially win a championship. And just looking at Mercedes from last year, right, in Lewis Hamilton, Red Bull undeniably was one of the best cars to start that season last year. Red Bull was in fine form. And, of course, you know, Max had, uh, you know, two pretty big DM- DNFs that, you know, would end up influencing that championship battle as well. One at Baku, one at Silverstone. But nevertheless, the way Mercedes, and even if you're looking at Mercedes this year, right? Damage limitation. The way Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton are able to gather themselves together, make the right strategy calls, make the right development calls when they need to. They have that leadership capability, that 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 certain gene that's inherent in their team. And Red Bull has it too. Red Bull is, you know, a consistent strategy-wise, um, you know, driver-wise. Max Verstappen is probably as cool as they come when it comes to, you know, you know, finishing a race when he needs to. The guy, you know, you could say what you want about the beginning of his career, but since he's been in this more competitive Red Bull last year and this year, and I think, you know, last year Max had his problems, and I know the championship battle was a lot more intense. The racing was a lot more intense. But to some degree, Max has matured as well as a driver and now has demonstrated that, like, cool and consistent attitude that you need. And and that's something that Lewis Hamilton has as well, right? You never feel, even with Mercedes and their struggles this year, Mercedes has, you never felt like Mercedes is out of it. You've never felt like Mercedes was taking a dump on, you know, themselves, you know, every now and then. You know, Mercedes has demonstrated this, you know, kind of cool level-headed, we're going to get back back to it. We're going to get back in this. And, you know, if you listen to even like Hamilton's post-race radio, you know, he's, you know, he's always like, let's get back at it, Toto. Let's, 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 let's keep going. Let's keep rolling. And, you know, if you think back to Brazil last year and things like that. So, you know, just, just thinking about it and it's, it's, it's so ironic. Like the last, I would almost say five years, maybe even longer if I really had to go back and think. It's just like with Charles Leclerc right now, it's, I'm not saying it's his driving ability. I think he, you know, this is one of the first major times where he's in a significant championship battle and had a chance to win the championship realistically. And, you know, I think that he still has a lot of growing to do as a driver, uh, a little bit more maturing to do as well. But Ferrari at the same time, I mean, even if we're thinking back, I was just talking with somebody yesterday, even if we're thinking back, like they were atrocious with Sebastian Vettel, but... You know, if you're even thinking back, you know, even this year, right, with Carlos Sainz just and, and Charles Leclerc, the strategy mistakes Ferrari has been making is just, it's a level that is very frustrating to watch, very frustrating to see. And I don't know, sometimes you wish that this historic team that is, you know, when you think Formula One racing, I I bet you if I surveyed a group of people that know nothing about Formula One racing, the first thing they would probably say is Ferrari. I mean, basically, the name Ferrari is synonymous with Formula One racing. And it's just such a shame that we haven't gotten that clutch gene from Ferrari. You, you get the sense that, you know, if I was behind in a championship battle, I'd want to be with Red Bull. I'd want to be with Mercedes. I feel like they're the type of team to put their head down and do the right thing and strike back and, and go as hard as they can for the rest of the year. And I'm not saying that Ferrari isn't trying. It, it's just something is fundamentally missing from that team. And, you know, it it's just, yet again, we've seen it. And now, 
you know, what is Charles Leclerc to do? He's going to have to go out strong and hungry. And basically, you know, when I was saying in this pregame, you know, the pre-race uh, show for the halfway season, mid-season preview, I was saying that Ferrari really needs to have strong performances. And yet again, they just, it's like right when you say that, we know what Ferrari needs to do. They know what they need to do. And it's just like when we say that, it doesn't come to fruition. And that's what I'm getting at. What what I got out of the French Grand Prix was just another example of one of these frustrating Ferrari strategy blunders, uh, an unfortunate mistake by Charles Leclerc as well. But, you know, if we're talking Ferrari, and I don't mean to bash Ferrari for the first, you know, 15 minutes of this thing, but it's just watching it, right? Like watching that race... Carlos Sainz, even, you know, even with his grid drop, that guy was making his way up through the field, making some great passes. We didn't get to see a lot of it because TV direction is apparently absent now in Formula One. But, you know, the guy is making moves. And then, you know, there was this little debate over what strategy to follow. And I I can't even follow Ferrari's strategies anymore. I, I have no clue what they're even talking about. I don't know how, as a driver, you follow it. I guess you're briefed on it all the time. But, man... Carlos signs and he had that five second penalty too but you know just thinking about how as he's making a move on Sergio Perez they're telling him to box like I just it it just blows my mind the things Ferrari does and the amount of mistakes they've made and I get it it's not easy to be a Formula One strategy guy I could never be it I watch the races and I have fun and I you know criticize it after because that's what I know. I don't know strategy. I don't know what is the best strategy. I don't have access to the data that they have. I don't know what they're looking at. But it's just like they waited. It's not so much that they pit Carlos Sainz. He probably would have had to pit realistically. Uh, but, you know, they knew the circumstances against them. Why wait until basically by the time Carlos Sainz pitted, there was no time left. For him to make up any ground, even with that five-second penalty. You know, maybe you leave him out. Maybe he stretches the lead. Maybe that five-second penalty gets it added on, you know, and then, you know, you go from there. But it was just mind-blowing to see the different routes Ferrari was trying to take and, you know, everything that happened. And it's just truly a shame because I think Ferrari, for the potential they have, You know, I was going to say disappointing teams. You know, we talk about, right, I've talked about disappointing teams at the halfway point of the season. I mentioned Williams. I mentioned Aston Martin. And honestly, I got to add Ferrari up there. Not because, yeah, they're second in the constructors. I get that. But one, this is a team that should easily, maybe not easily, but should be fighting for first in the constructors with Red Bull. Charles Leclerc arguably should have either a lead in the driver's championship, if not right on Max Verstappen's back. And the realistic point is now there is quite a gap. It's 233 to 170. The championship battle is not over, but it's going to take a lot for him to claw back. And now Leclerc is under threat from guys like Perez, like Sainz, like Russell. You know, I'm not even willing to say, well, Lewis is kind of, you know, a little further back. But, you know, especially with these new porpoising rules coming to minimize all the bouncing and everything. There could be a lot more changes coming. You know, Mercedes might have a renaissance. So, just looking at it, Ferrari objectively now has been one of the more disappointing teams this year. 
just simply because of where their potential is and the fact that they're not hitting their potential. You know, this is a team, if we went back to, like, the first four races of the season, this is a team that we would be thinking was going to walk away with this championship quite easily. And they've basically, either due to strategy blunders, reliability, and now driver error, they've basically handed the title to Max Verstappen. It, uh, Max is in full control. Red Bull is in full control of this. And Ferrari's even under threat from Mercedes now with the Constructors' Championship. So this is a team that is underperforming in huge ways. And, you know, I just don't know if they're going to get their act together. I know after Hungary, we have the long break. Hopefully that will help them. Hopefully that will bring them back to some sort of level of competitiveness. Maybe they, they need that break. And maybe at Spa, we'll see a new team, a team that's ready to go. A team that's ready to... You know, uh, sorry, yeah, a team that's ready to, you know, crush it for real. But until then, I have not seen anything that impressive from Ferrari in the last, like, three or four races. It's just a shame. And remember, every time Charles Leclerc gets a DNF, it only benefits Max one more spot if he's ahead of him. So it's like a double whammy each time there's one of these DNFs for him. And it's just frustrating to watch. So, yeah, my big point of the French Grand Prix right now, thats that was my big takeaway is just the Ferrari frustration. And, you know, you can hear the frustration in Charles Leclerc's voice. And, you know, to his credit, he owned up to his mistake and he said, I can't do this. And, you know, that is part of maturing as a driver, you know, not, you know, blaming it on tire grip or something else. You know, he... He took responsibility for his role in that action. But, you know, it was just a shame to see yet again. So anyway, the rest of the race, uh, other other notable performances. Honestly, you know, the French Grand Prix gets a lot of hate. I thought there were a lot of good moments, a lot of good racing. We saw, I mean, how about the Mercedes double podium, second and third, Hamilton, Russell, first time together that they were on the podium this year. And I I really didn't realize that that was the first time that both of them made the podium, but it makes sense. But it was kind of crazy to see uh, Hamilton and Russell, you know, battling it out. Uh, Sorry, uh, Russell and Perez on that safety car. You know, you would have thought, you're like, oh, the Red Bull has such an advantage. And man, George Russell kind of pulled a little cheeky, uh, you know, I don't want to draw comparisons to Max, you know, when Max in his safety car, shenanigans sometimes but George Russell kind of strategy master class there you know heads up play as we would say you know knows the safety car is coming and just absolutely pounces on Sergio Perez and you know good for George Russell I know there was that whole little collision he had with Sergio Perez uh earlier in the race and you know Toto basically talking to George like he's a uh, you know little frustrated kid Telling him, listen, George, you can calm down. You can get him on the track. And, you know, Toto knows best. So <laughs> I would not question big man Toto on, uh, you know, in a race like that. And, you know, to George's credit, he waited for his opportunity and he struck. And great to see Lewis up there, too. You know, I think the Mercedes are still not quite where they want to be. I know Lewis is really hoping that Hungary is where, you know, it comes together. He likes the track. It's one of his stronger tracks historically. But, remains to be seen there is supposedly more wet weather on the way so 
that could be interesting. We know what happened last time. There was some wet weather at Hungary. But, yeah, definitely a good uh, moment for Mercedes. Good, good race for Mercedes yet again. And, again, like I said in the beginning of the show, Mercedes is that team where, you know, to their credit, they have had an absolute, as Toto would say, shitbox of a car. And they have managed to claw their way back out, damage limitation, and they can. It is not out of possibility. It's not out of the realm of possibility for Mercedes to take second in the constructors. They are definitely within the scope, within the grasp of Ferrari. So, you know, to Mercedes' credit, they have done a lot with a little and have managed to, you know, rake in points in situations where it did not even look possible. If you were to tell somebody at the beginning of the season that Mercedes, with the car they had, would be fighting for second in the constructors, you would be shocked. But here we are. And it just goes to show you how finicky these 22 regulations are. Um, 22? These 2022 regulations are. It shows you how much the porpoising has had an effect. And it just makes you wonder what kind of changes in the pecking order are we going to see when we get to, I believe the regulations will take place at Spa. So once we get there, it's going to be interesting to see what happens after the summer break. But Mercedes, to their credit, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, doing almost what we expected them to do. They're performing as adequately as... We could hope and great job by the team. It just goes to show you what the leadership does on that team. You know, you guys got, you have people like Total Wolf, James Allison, Lewis Hamilton, just really being the foundation of that team and really getting that team to the levels of competition they want to be at. And they know it's going to be a struggle. They know it. But they just keep digging and they just have that gene. Like I said, that they, they, they kind of have that clutch gene that shows they're not going to stop digging. They're going to keep working hard. They're going to keep doing what they can to make that team succeed. And it's not saying that the other teams don't do that. But, you know, there are very few teams in Formula One where you feel like they have that rigidity, that leadership, that composure to actually make a decent fight in the second half of the season. Other than maybe Red Bull. Like I said, I am always high on McLaren, but right now McLaren's still behind. They had a better race this year, uh, this year, better race this week. Norris and Ricardo getting some points, double points. Uh, the other team that I still am waiting, I'm waiting for that moment. Alpine, you know, they were a little, you know, considering it's a home race technically for them. They were a little disappointing, but I got to say, Fernando, man, Fernando is still wheeling that car. He is... A little bit of, I guess, what my friends from the other side of the pond would say. He's a little bit cheeky uh, behind that wheel. You know, he's uh, he was messing with the McLarens, kind of letting them go past him, letting them wear out their tires, and just playing that long game. And, man, it is a joy to have Fernando Alonso on that grid. Like, we still need these guys like Lewis. We still need Fernando. We still need our Sebastian Vettels on the grid because they are, you know, an absolute thrill to watch and an absolute thrill to be around because it's just amazing to listen to their radios their strategies and it just gives you so much like late 2000s early 2010s vibes and it's just I don't know it's cool they're one of the you know the sport's gonna miss them when they retire so you know great to see them doing their thing and uh you know the other unfortunate part (laughs) uh poor Yuki man getting bad luck this uh race as well you know getting spun out on 
something that wasn't even entirely his fault. Unfortunate for Yuki, but, you know, he finally, you know, the Alphas were definitely struggling. The Alpha Tauri crew was struggling with Pierre and Yuki, but Yuki, for his credit, had a great qualifying effort and just got turned around. Again, not of his own doing and ended up having to DNF. Such a shame, though, because... You know, I saw an uh, saw an Alpha Tauri spin around. I'm like, ah, oh, I hope it's not Yuki, and it was. So such a shame. Uh, the Haas also the Haas team. You know, for a team that has not brought up grades, and Kevin Magnuson managed to. I know he was taking a grid penalty, but uh, for a team that has not had much upgrades, they managed to wheel themselves. You know, Kevin Magnuson managed to wheel himself into a Q3. So. You know, quite impressive still with Haas. I know Mick had a tough race, finishing 15th. K-Mag ended up DNFing. Uh, but, you know, to their credit, they have done a lot with a little without the upgrades that they have been waiting for. And I think they're going to finally get them at Hungary. But the rumor is only one driver will have them ready for Hungary. So it's kind of like a situation with Williams again where, you know, the driver with more points. In this case, it's going to be Kevin Magnussen getting those upgrades and as he should you know he's he's gotten more of the points finishes i know mick hasn't had the best luck but you know k mag has gotten more of the points finishes as of late and he deserves to get those upgrades to see what that car can do and honestly if there was somebody that you would want driving your car to test out those upgrades i think you would want kevin magnuson he has the experience he he's been performing well this year so i have absolutely no problem with that I know a lot of, you know, Mick fans are going to be upset that Mick's not getting the upgrades. But, hey, listen, you'd rather have the upgrades be tested. Look at with Alex Albon and Latifi, you know. Um, Albon tested those upgrades first because, you know, just because you get upgrades doesn't mean that the car is going to be quick right away. So I think having Kevin Magnussen with those upgrades is going to be huge. Um, other than that, <laughs> Aston Martin kind of had themselves a more decent race, you know, with Stroll getting another point. Uh, him and Seb battling it out for that last point scoring position. I thought they were going to take each other out. I I literally had, I know it wasn't the same team, but I literally had flashbacks between Ocon and Vettel uh, last year at Bahrain. I was like, oh, no, don't tell me they're going to take each other out. Like in the last segment of the track, that would have been so brutal. That would have been so painful to watch. But, yeah, Aston Martin, too, also had themselves a... Decent race, getting some pace back, still not where they'd like to be. And the other team that was basically quiet this race weekend was Alfa Romeo. You know, not much from Valtteri, not much from Zhou Guan Yu. But, you know, I guess that's going to happen with some of these teams. They're not going to be racing, race out. We know how close the midfield battles are. So, you know, not entirely unexpected to see them towards the back. But kind of disappointing because want to see them get back into form. Want to see them have some good points finishes yet again. So... A very finicky team, but uh, overall, I gotta rate the French Grand Prix. It was a decent race. It was like a B minus type race. I think it would have been a lot more entertaining had Charles Leclerc not DNF'd. Obviously, there were a lot of strategy calls. You know, there were the Mercedes battles with Sergio Perez, but you know, overall, it just uh, you know, it was it was a B minus race. I think we did miss a lot of the overtakes that happened in the midfield. A lot of those midfield battles simply because. Like I said before, the TV direction, I know other people talk about this all the time, but TV direction, for some reason, in F1 this year is, like, non-existent. When there's an overtake, they just, they start focusing on the wrong things. You know, we had that battle going on between George Russell and Sergio Perez, and basically, 
they cut to Max Verstappen winning the race. Insane. You know, I thought it would have been better to watch those battles. We had the battles between Vettel and Stroll. You know, they kind of focused on it towards the end. It's just there's some of these little moments that we miss so much uh, for the race itself. And, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about the French Grand Prix coming off the calendar, possibly Spa. Listen, it was kind of funny because I was watching the thousand. I was just watching the thousand. Um, was it the thousand race? You know the the celebration of the F1 history on YouTube and uh, from F1. And it was funny because they were talking about classic tracks and they mentioned Monaco. They mentioned Silverstone, and then they mentioned Spa. And yet Spa, which there is nothing. I don't get what's so wrong about Spa. Spa seems to be one of the best tracks on the calendar with a lot of great moments. I think we all look forward to that track, but. It is between if it's between Spa and France taking a spot out for South Africa, which, like I said, I am high on South Africa. South Africa deserves a race weekend. But if it's between Spa and France, I got to say, France has to come off the calendar. It's not and it's not that there's anything wrong with the track. I think the track actually does provide a lot of overtake opportunities, a lot of great racing. But it's not iconic. It doesn't have these iconic turns where you're making passes. There's not uh, a character to the track that makes it appealing. It just lacks something. And I think it's the lack of, you know, safe runoff area. Uh, it's that there's too much safe runoff areas. And, you know, it's not a track where you say, yeah, yeah we're going to France. You say, oh, we're going to France. You know, it's not a track that I exactly circle on my calendar to look forward to. But... Nonetheless, good race weekend, solid race weekend. Unfortunate for Charles Leclerc, unfortunate Ferrari. But, hey, we're going to Hungary this this week. So, looking forward to the race at Hungary. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday about it. Going to see what happens. Going to try to preview Hungary and what we might be able to expect from that track, which is sometimes called, um, you know, the, the Monaco without walls because it's, you know, not really the best for overtaking. But can't wait to see what's going to happen in Hungary this week. I'll get back to you guys on Thursday. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our website, www.f1idiots.com. Follow me at nAmericanF1 and also follow our blog page on Twitter at F1Idiots. Thank you guys for listening and talk to you soon.